Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. If you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 3. The book of 1 Peter in chapter number 3. We're continuing with this series of 1 Peter and we're about halfway done with it now. I'm just finishing up this chapter. We're going to start taking more uh, larger chunks here in just a bit of just going through this book of 1 Peter with the idea that the theme of it is to strengthen the brethren, to strengthen us up for the times that we live on and the times that we're going to face, to prepare ourselves by developing the habit of obedience to Christ now. And as we come to the book of 1 Peter, chapter number 3, we now pick it up in verse number 17. 1 Peter, chapter number 3, and notice with me in verse number 17. For it is better, if the will of God be so, that you suffer for well-doing than for evil-doing. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometime were disobedient, but once the long suffering of God waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience towards God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a very powerful phrase that we find in the book of 1 Peter chapter 3? 1 Peter chapter 3, and notice with me in verse 18 the phrase, the just for the unjust. The just for the unjust. And with this powerful phrase here, we want to interpret what some people consider a troublesome, difficult passage. However, when we look at it with the theme here of the just and the unjust, it clarifies things quite a bit. The just for the unjust. Now there's no way to fully comprehend the suffering these early Christians were going through. They were suffering not because they were doing wrong. They were suffering because they were doing right. People were taking a strong stand for Christ and they were suffering for it. Remember that as people were following the Lord Jesus Christ and made a public profession that it was getting close to the time where because they stood up for Christ and they identified with the Lord Jesus Christ that they would sometimes lose their jobs. Sometimes they would lose their homes and very soon from this time they would lose their very lives because they made a stand to identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as these people are going through a difficult time the Apostle uh, Peter, as he's writing under the inspiration of God, tries to encourage these folks 
in their stand. The Spirit of God takes the story of Jesus and his innocent suffering for the guilty and uses it to encourage the believers. He's trying to encourage the suffering followers of Christ to identify with the sufferings of Jesus Christ. Now, no matter how hard we try, we cannot be considered just without God or before God without the work of Jesus Christ. Remember that we're all sinners and because of our sins we've offended in a, a holy righteous God and that we deserve hell. That's what we deserve. We are the unjust. And so God robed himself in flesh and Jesus lived his entire life perfect. Without sin, without blemish. And the just Jesus, who did no sin, this word just and unjust is a term of legality. Carry the idea that they are legally just, legally unjust, guilty, not guilty. And so Jesus Christ was just and he died for the unjust. We were guilty legally and the one that was innocent paid the price for the guilty. He did that for us. He put his record on our account. The just for the unjust. Jesus was just and we were the unjust. Now with that in mind, looking at Jesus Christ, that he was just and that he was suffering for the purpose of the unjust, let's look at this passage now and see what is said here and then how we apply it to our lives. First of all, we see the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ. In verse number 18, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. What was the whole purpose of Jesus dying on the cross? For the purpose of bringing us to God. The entire work of the cross was not an example of a man dying to prove that he loved <coughs> um, people. The cross was an instrument of God used to punish the sins of the whole world in the body of Jesus Christ. Now we know that he did prove his love towards us while he died on the cross. But the cross was made to pay for our sins. It was an instrument of cruelty. It was an instrument of death. And Jesus died so the guilty, hell-deserving sinners might be brought to God. That was the purpose of it. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. I will talk about quickening the Spirit here. But what was the purpose of Jesus dying on the cross? To bring us to God. That was what he did. The just for the unjust. We deserve punishment. We deserve hell. We deserve separation from God. And Jesus who was perfect. Died in our behalf. He died on the cross. But notice what it said. He was quickened by the spirit. The word quickened in the Bible. Carries the idea to make alive. And so Jesus Christ died, was buried on a borrowed tomb, and on the third day he rose again. When he rose again, it proved two things. First of all, it proved that he was indeed God. Second of all, it proved that Jesus Christ paid the price and God was satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for us. The just for the unjust. That was acceptable. That Jesus didn't have to pay for his own sins. Jesus took 
our sins and His body. He paid the price. He suffered for us on our behalf and He didn't have to. But think about this. He suffered because of our actions. He suffered. Our actions brought upon Him suffering. We see the cross of Jesus Christ. Which now brings us to something as we now look at this. The confession of the Christians. The confessions of the Christians. Notice with me in verse 19. By which also he, that's Jesus, went and preached unto the saints that were in prison. Now this is a theological thing that is mentioned several times. That what did Jesus do for the three days? Did he cease existence? No. We're alive somewhere forever. And that back before Jesus died on the cross, there was a holding chamber of paradise. And Jesus Christ went and hung out with the saints uh, who died in the Old Testament before this place. Hung, up with, hung out with Abraham. Hung out with Isaac. Hung out with Jacob. Hung out with those other saints. He was out there in this holding chamber. And then the Bible talks about a different passage that after that he led captivity captive. That Jesus Christ when he died he opened up that prison and he brought all the saints to heaven. And now when we die we go to heaven. There's no holding chamber for us. But that was something that was prepared and set aside during that time until Jesus died. Jesus' death unlocked that place. And now we go to heaven. And we're thankful for that. I know that's some theological things that causes some brain power and whatnot to process. But it's what happened. And I understand, let me take a pause here. Sometimes those things are hard to understand. There was a, a man who lived in the jungles on an island. And as a missionary was working with him, as he was talking with him, he was... Uh, the, the jungle a chieftain was trying to ask where the guy came from and what was his land like. And he was explaining that that water got cold and froze and hardened and you could walk on it. Well, the chieftain had never seen snow or ice. And so for him, it was hard for him to comprehend that water could harden enough that you could stand on it. That was something he could not comprehend. So we understand that there are some things that are hard to comprehend. There's because we didn't experience it. By the way, Peter didn't experience it. Paul didn't experience it. That was something that Jesus and God told those people, this is what happened. This is what occurred. This is where they're at. That's something that we just have to take by faith because that was what was reported of God. We understand that sometimes those things are hard to kind of put together and there's nothing in the Bible that says everything is always easy. There are some things that are hard to understand. But this is what Jesus is talking about. That he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now notice as it goes on in verse 20. Which sometime were disobedient. Meaning that the people that he had talked to. <laughs> that one time they were sinners. <laughs> they were sinners too who needed a savior. Abraham sinned. Isaac sinned. Jacob, and the Bible speaks about them. Which sometimes were disobedient, but once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah. Now it's going back to an old time where it's talking about the days of Noah. And God had Noah build an ark. Took him about 120 years to build the ark. Why did it take so long? Because he's incompetent? No, because God was trying to allow more time for people to receive the news and respond to it. 
God was long-suffering. The long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. Meaning, there are eight souls, they entered into the boat, and they were saved on that time with the water. Now, here he's trying to do a comparison and bringing us to something. And by the way, this is where that hard passage comes in. Verse 21. The like figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. Now, if we put a period there, uh, this would be very confusing doctrine. Remember that whenever we interpret scripture, we always interpret scripture by clear passages to help us understand the not clear passages. Well, we know that the Bible says that we're saved by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. It is the gift of God. (laughs) Uh, The Bible speaks about that. So what does this mean? That we were a figure unto baptism also now doth save us. Well, that's a confusing thing. And we have people out there who will use this verse to try to say that in order for us to be saved, we have to be baptized. Well, is that what the Bible is teaching? Well, let's see and we can interpret here. So it says, which sometimes were disobedient, or verse 21, and the like figure whereunto baptism doth also now save us. Now notice there's a parenthetical phrase. This parenthetical phrase gives us more explanation about what is being referred to. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. Speaking about baptism, baptism does not wash away our sins. If it did, I wouldn't get out of the tank because I'm still sinning. And I need them washed away all the time. It doesn't wash away our sins. Then what does it do? By the answer of a good conscience towards God. What does baptism do? It demonstrates my confession. My good conscience towards God. It is the way that I announce that I am identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done for me. That Jesus Christ died and was buried and he he rose again the third day. That when we go into the baptism tank and all it is is water. There's no holy water. I don't do a secret formula. I don't put secret potion in there. I don't have a ritual that goes on there. It's water. We get it from the tap. And um, what happens is that someone will say... I am identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ and that they are buried and that they rose again. They go all the way under, all the way up to picture. This is what Jesus did for me and I am publicly professing in a clear way I identify with the Lord Jesus Christ. I am saved because of Jesus and the proof of it is my confession. Now, (laughs) the people on the boat take Noah's Ark, all right? Now, how did you know that those eight people believed in Christ? They got on the ark, right? They believed in God. They got on the ark. That was the proof of it. And they were saved because they believed in Christ. They they followed. It was their belief that saved them. And it was demonstrated by them getting up on the ark. Same thing with baptism. We're saved by our faith in Jesus Christ. It is demonstrated when we make a public profession. Now, in the uh, Bible, the New Testament, you'll see salvation and baptism linked together. And the reason why is because it was a public profession and there would often be a cost involved. How do I know that someone's a Christian? Because they follow the Lord and believers' baptism. Someone can say some words, that's great. 
But when someone would get baptized, they would often know, remember the context that we are, people are suffering for righteousness sake. That when they uh, confess Jesus Christ, they could lose their homes, they could lose their jobs, they could lose their lives. So when someone got baptized, it was a big deal because it could cost them suffering. That's why baptism and, and salvation are linked together often in the Bible. Because it is a public profession. It is a very big deal that may cost me something. Someone can say a little prayer and never tell anybody what they did. But to publicly confess Jesus Christ is a big deal. And in the times of this writing, this is even a bigger deal. Because there is suffering going on. Verse number 21. The like figure whereunto wherein baptism doth also now save us. Not the putting away of the filth of the flesh. But the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Baptism has nothing to do with getting us to heaven. But everything about a believer being unashamed to confess Jesus Christ publicly. The book of Romans speaks about this too. In Romans chapter 10. That whosoever confesseth Christ shall not be ashamed. Well I'm not ashamed. I'm identifying with Jesus Christ. Even if it costs me something. Now let's bring it back. Remember the context of 1 Peter. Is that people are starting to suffer because of their right doing. Well, we see Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he suffered, right? Because of our wrong doing. And what did he do? He died to give us salvation even though we were wrong. So now we come to the place, what does it do with us? Well, here are some Christians that are doing right. And because they're doing right, they're suffering for it. How should these people respond to the people causing the suffering? Well, the same way that Jesus did for us. He wanted them to be saved. He's not willing that any shall perish, but all shall come to repentance. Even those who caused him suffering. Which is this third part, the caring for the Christ list. The caring for the Christ list. In this passage, God wants us to see that as Christ preached to those who rejected Noah's message, we should care enough to give the gospel to those who reject what we believe. He was saying to the suffering Christians that even though you're being persecuted for doing good, you should also care enough to speak to those who knew you in that old life to the unsaved who have rejected the Lord. We're supposed to plead with him. Notice again in verse 17. For it is better if the will of God be that you suffer for well-doing than that of evil doing. Why? For Christ has suffered for, for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Well, if we're going to be Christ-like, when we have the people that persecute us, that make fun of us, that jeer at us, that try to make things hard because we're doing what's right. We being like Christ, the just for the unjust, for the purpose of bringing them to the Lord. You know, sometimes God allows us to have public shame and humiliation, persecution from others. And people watch that. But with it being public, when we respond to them by still reaching out, still trying to win them to the Lord, still caring for them, we're trying to give them an invitation where they can receive the good news. 
as they watch how we respond. This is why in this whole passage, uh, talks about in chapter number two, that Jesus Christ, he was our example. He suffered and he didn't rail back. We understand that all of this, he's giving the example of how we're supposed to handle suffering, how we're supposed to handle hard times, how we're supposed to handle difficult times for the purpose that we are reaching out to those who are watching us suffering, those that are causing us suffering, that we could reach out to them, the just for the unjust, that we could bring them to God. This is important. The Christian life is guaranteed to have suffering. Yea, all those that shall live godly shall suffer persecution. It's a promise. Our choice is how do we respond? We could rail back. We could yell at him. God's going to get you. I hope you die. Or we could say, you know what? I know that you've been mean to me. I still love you. I still want to see you up in heaven. What can I do for you? I want you to know about Jesus Christ. I want to tell you about this. To be able to still witness to them. This is, makes it different. And martyrs all throughout the ages have been one of the biggest uh, sources of growth. Perse uh, persecution always makes the church grow. Martyrdom brings more Christians. It doesn't erase them. It makes more Christians all throughout history. There's people who are suffering in China. By the way, uh, persecution in China is just, uh, um, just downright amazing right now. Uh, not amazing in a good way. It is just Fear striking how much persecution is. There's stories out where the army would go in and actually pull people from an underground church and kill everyone. And yet, the Christians are multiplying in China. They almost, there's reports that there are almost more Christians, professing Christians in China than America right now. Because it's growing. The more that the government tries to kill them all, the more that they multiply. That is always what's happened in history. Always what has happened in history. In fact, so much that the Chinese people are praying for persecution to come to America. They're praying that it comes to America. Why? So we could grow, multiply, start behaving like Christians again. And so, as you're going through the time, we know that persecution's right around the corner. Did you know that yesterday, from what I was told, in Canada, a new law has been passed that now says that the Bible is a myth and that anyone who tries to use the Bible to preach against homosexuality can be jailed. Now, they've already had laws in the books, but that's a new one that just passed or activated yesterday in Canada. It is now, they, they actually state the Bible is a myth. And that if you try to use it to, to preach against homosexuality, to defend the family, to whatever else, that you could be in jail for it. That's Canada. Of course, you know, Canada doesn't care. They've locked down their churches since 2020. It's illegal to go to church in Canada. Bars are open. Not churches. And that's coming. It's coming. It is amazing to see what, what's happening, what's coming around the pike. And so we have to understand persecution's coming around the corner. Now is the time to start living for the Lord. Now's the time to start developing the habit of doing this, of suffering correctly. When you get picked on, when somebody looks at you strange because you pass out a track, that's minor stuff. But it's amazing how that minor stuff can disrupt us and 
get a pity party. He didn't like me. He didn't like my track. He didn't whatever. We don't know what suffering's like, to be honest. But now's the time to start developing the habit of following after Christ, to living like him. Because when that persecution does come, and it is coming, that we are suffering correctly to for the purpose of bringing them to Christ, the just for the unjust. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.